This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by the Village of Greenhaven. Hey, anticipated within the next week is the print-on-demand version of Greenhaven. And just like its PDF brother, it is super, super affordable. Soon, you'll be able to go to DriveThruRPG and pick up a copy to hold in your hot little hands of the village of Greenhaven for the low, low insane price of just $6.99. That's right, less than $7 for a print-on-demand copy of Greenhaven. The original PDF is still there, too. It's still less than 3 bucks, and... Greenhaven will provide you with an exceptional town that is completely fleshed out with landmarks, NPCs, random events, lots of other random tables, and all sorts of goodness that you can pop into any system. Check it out. Village of Greenhaven at DriveThruRPG. Just go to DriveThruRPG.com, type in Greenhaven in the search bar, and voila, there it is. Super affordable, system agnostic, and ready for your table. Plus, you know, the guy that made it would thank you. Thank you. Now, on with the show. Everybody, it is I, Ryan David. Welcome to another episode of Nerd Cognito. Hey, another week has gone by since our big dungeon drama episode with the person spearheading that campaign, Grim Jim, co-hosting us last week. We were able to get out in front of it because of our friendship with Grim Jim, and we were able to provide to you one of the first intimate accounts of all of the behind-the-scenes crap that was Dungeon Drama, a.k.a. Twatgate, but we're not allowed to say that because it appears that Twitter Machine may have uh, shadow banned that hashtag. Uh, as if that wasn't enough, on the tail end of last week, Dungeons & Dragons up on the block being negotiated with none other than glorious Chinese Tencent comrade. Uh, <laughs> it was a big week last week. Um, aye, aye, aye. I, I, I need a breather. This week we're going to have a breather, and uh, I'm going to be leaning heavy on my partners because uh, ah, just not feeling it, right? I'm spent from last week, so... When I say I'm spent, that means I better bring in Bert. Hey, Bert. <laughs> What's going on, Bert? Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Oh, uh, not bad. Not bad. Last week was a barn burner of a week uh, in our little world. Uh, not to mention, you know, the mundane day-to-day stuff. So it's been interesting. Do you have a good week, my friend? Oh, yeah. Uh, three game days out of the last seven. So I'm doing all right. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah, I know someone that because the big game is coming up, he has not had any game days, and he's not going to have any game days this upcoming week, and that's our other co-host, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Hey. Hey, uh, yep, you're 100% right. No game days for me. No game days for you other than one big, crunchy game day. <laughs> the, the, um, the, big, the big game itself. Uh, yeah. I, not too far away. And then, and then, if our local team wins, I have to deal with accounts in the downtown area. Then we get to have a parade. So where, where, they, where, where, the, 
where they'll expect about a, a 1.5 million additional people into the downtown area at one at one time. This boggles my mind about all sorts of professional sports. I mean, my nerd is very visible when it comes to I don't give a fuck about most professional sports, right? But right. really, it is dead of winter, cold as balls, windy, and yeah. we're going to go out into the streets, 1.5 million strong. I mean, that is as moronic as the people that do New Year's Eve yeah. in New York. When I lived yeah. in the city, I yeah. intentionally exited the city the week from <laughs> after Christmas until about a week after New Year's. Right. Yeah. Because no, then, I, I agree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and, I mean, it's no secret. Kansas City, you know, is areas where I'm at this. And this town isn't isn't like New York. It's it does not have the infrastructure and the capability to support one point five addition, million <laughs> additional people coming into the downtown area. It's just it's just not designed for that. Uh, we will literally have people parking on the hot on the side of the highways and the interstates to get to that parade oh. because that's what's happened in the previous years. That's crazy, but yeah. to to be fair, Manhattan doesn't have that infrastructure either to support New Year's Eve and it's a CF until probably mm -hmm. a week afterwards. It really is. Um this will last about a day. That's the good thing. It'll last a day and then it'll be done. The next day will be fine. Well, at least light at the end of the tunnel for you, right? Well, I yeah. am probably not going to get any gaming or playtesting in this week at all, uh, just because uh, day job has me on the road for business. And on um, the road again? Yeah, <laughs> we talked about it on the speakeasy. Hey, shout out to all of our friends that visit us every week on Saturday afternoon in the speakeasy in the chat on YouTube. Uh, this week was. A really good and exciting conversation that we had um but no I, I talked about it on the speakeasy you know i'm not at all looking forward to traveling for business uh it's gonna put a damper on everything right it's gonna put a crunch on the responsibilities that i have to this brand it's gonna put a crunch on the responsibilities that i have in life it's gonna affect the decisions that are going on there plus I got to smile and be happy with people that I don't really want to smile and be happy for in person, <laughs> in person. It's, it's, yeah. it's not going to be a good week. Um, Bert, you want to go to the yeah. middle of the state? <laughs> um, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm out here in the woods. I got three game days lined up this week, so. I will pay you to pretend to be me for a day and a half. <laughs> I don't think I could pull that off. Oh, that's, what a shame. What a shame. This week, to sort of reset our brains, we are going to intentionally take a step back from the big buzz. Like, right, we were out in front of it, which is great. Like, I was happy and proud that that we were one of, if not the first, major commentators that got into this arena last week. But I also realized that, man. Everybody beat that drum really hard, right? I don't, I don't want to do it. I kind of want to do a brain reset this week. So I thought we would start by talking about something pleasant in our hobby, something that we enjoy 
and that is omnipresent, at least at my tables, and I would suspect at yours, and that's the influence of nostalgia at the game table, specifically in tabletop and OSR stuff, but generically, how does it present and what changes do those warm, fuzzy feelings from yesteryear make at your table? It would be disingenuous to say that it doesn't impact your table because it does. At least, it does. again, it does for mine. And I think that I have to be aware of that so that it doesn't snowball and become bigger. So that's the front half of the show. We have some news, as always. And on the back half, um, we're going to go into what I think is a quandary. We were talking off the air about this, and it, it, it boggles the mind. Um, people are wondering what it is because now we're being all cryptic. Tell them, Kyle. Yeah, about people, about these companies not wanting to make money. It seems that they're they work against themselves uh, sometimes. We've we've mentioned it briefly in passing on past episodes and even on the speakeasy from time to time. Uh, of these companies that hold to these sorts of I don't know if I'd call it political ideals. You know, that I where know. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. even know. I don't even know. But it's like, you know, you know, just just let's throw out a hypothetical example here. Let's say you got a Kickstarter and it's by one of us old grognards that everybody hates. We're on the list, man. We're on the list. You can't you know, you don't want to be associated with these guys. And let's say they run a Kickstarter and it raises a shit ton of money. Let's say it goes a million. Right. But then Kickstarter is like we're not putting them in the new product section and we're not going to put them on the front page to promote this, because even though we can see that they're generating a ton of money and we get a percentage of that, we still want to kind of shadow them, shadow ban them. Right. But I, when, I, I, when you could make so much more, you could make so much more, you could have a million or you could have 2 million, right? right. A, you, do you which, want 30% of have? a million or do you want 30% of 2 million? I know which one right. I want, but I, you know, we're, we're going to dig yeah. into it deeper and, and try to, I don't know, try to take that puzzle apart because I legitimately don't get it. And um, I, I I can see the desire for it, but I can't see someone actually pulling the trigger with that motivation. Sound like a plan, Bert? Yeah, man. All right. All right. Well, then, Bert, what's yeah. the last piece of nostalgia that surfaced in one of your games? Oh, uh, I uh, brought back a... Uh, well, the last fantasy campaign I ran into, I brought back some of my favorite monsters from like second edition. I actually pulled their stat blocks and I went in and I I remembered fighting like displacer beasts and things like that. And so I went in and I tried to update them for the uh, system that I was using just so that uh, the party that I was running would have a chance to have that same sort of experience of, I remember one of the first memorable fights I ever got into in D&D was with two Displacer Beasts, and it was just a chance for me to kind of relive that with a new group. Two Displacer Beasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kyle, were you DMing? <laughs> yeah, I, I used to DM quite a bit. You know, I kind of, I was just about to ask Bert, man, what whatever happened to Slimes and Oozes, man? Oh, yeah. How come nobody ever uses Slimes and Oozes Hello? anymore? Remember Green Slime? Hello? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You remember Black Pudding, Gray Ooze, and all those cool guys? Bert, I mean, what happened to those Bert, guys? Tell him, my love of of gooey things. 
Well, uh, Ryan has this favorite thing where he'll do a pit trap with a gelatinous cube at the bottom. Yeah. And uh, so you just fall 30 feet right into a gelatinous cube. Yeah, 30 is too easy to escape. It's got to be at least 60 feet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So you want, it's a death trap at that point. Yes. What's the yeah. purpose of having a trap if it's not lethal? Hey, I was working on um, the successor to Greenhaven, and I'm going to have a random traps table, and then it expands into descriptions of the random system agnostic traps. So not only can you see the inner workings of my trappy DM mind, but you're going to be able to roll for it. No, and, and it's beautiful. I, I actually have the notes, and I know this isn't what we were talking about, but I wanted to share it with you guys before, and it just didn't come up. Um, the sure. first trap. The very first trap on the table in the yet-to-be-announced names of the successor to Greenhaven is called the Pendulum Chamber. <laughs> okay. Um, Sounds and, very Edgar Allan Poe-esque. Here is my description of the Pendulum okay. Chamber. The Pendulum Chamber is a devious trap designed to challenge even the most seasoned adventurers. It typically guards ancient tombs, crypts, or treasure vaults. The trap consists of a large circular chamber with a central pillar. Suspended from the ceiling are massive pendulum blades sharpened to a deadly edge. These pendulums swing in a circular motion around the room, covering nearly every inch of the floor space. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a good fucking trap. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's, man, that's straight out of old school kind of stuff, really. So we, we find out that Ryan's nostalgic about traps. I, you know what? <laughs> traps are something, not necessarily with the OSR, but if you look at the modern product, right? They're, in, I know where you're going. they're a freaking afterthought now. Yeah. Traps yeah, are an afterthought. Are. A lethal trap? These people, <laughs> they're going to look at you like you have a horn growing out of your head if you present them with a lethal yeah me me my, my character king guy it wasn't even in combat or in starbucks when he was getting pegged by the furry <laughs> ryan 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 hey death by bleeding asshole could be devastating <laughs> anyway <laughs> no traps <laughs> i know nobody can see our faces except for us but everybody just needed to see Bert's face. Bert, yeah. <laughs> anyway, now tra traps are a lost art. They are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember, I mean, playing like second edition and things like that. Every time you found anything that was valuable, there was a chance of a trap. Like you had to check chests for needle traps and things like that before you opened them, all kinds of mm -hmm. tricks and things. And I get that. The, I guess the difference happened about fourth edition because I remember traps still being moderately effective in third edition. But I think that there was a design philosophy where they wanted to shift because more modern players were coming in. Again, this is the age where we said, uh, look at those guys. Uh, they're, they're, we're just going to play our game which was right. a mistake, which I've said in the past, and I own it. That is my mistake, and it is now my cross to bear, which is why I am so enthusiastically 
on the other side to remind people that gatekeeping is good. But, which by the way, if you're going to pick up a gatekeeping is good t-shirt, February is the last month for them. Go to Amazon, just search Nerd Cognito, cheap plug. But I really believe that in fourth edition, they started to take the teeth out of traps because they were trying to streamline the process. And the modern player then was going through as a rogue, check for traps, check for traps, check for traps, check for traps. And the DMs didn't know how to handle it because that is where the creativity started to get siphoned out of the product. That is where the product started to mirror the video game world. And, and I also I also think that narratively um, things have changed. You know, Kyle mentions that Fifth Edition is more like a fantasy superhero uh, game. I absolutely agree where, with that statement too. Where older ones were adventure style games. Think Indiana right. Jones, Doc Savage, Conan the Barbarian. You yeah. expected tombs and traps and uh, you know devious ancient civilizations and things like that. Whereas with a superhero telling you don't expect those things so uh, unless there it's an over-the-top like you know death trap that a maniacal villain has put you into monologue yeah 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 <laughs> i love this <laughs> <laughs> no but 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 you're absolutely right bird in fact you know when when i first started in the game and growing up and i kind of started getting into dming i was pretty young but it was there were certain things that every well number one everything was most of the game was focused on dungeon exploration at that time right i mean we yeah mm -hmm. we had urban sure. adventures and we had wilderness adventures but everybody wanted to get to the dungeon kill some monsters and get the loot right and so there was there's a certain kind of design philosophy back then for old school dungeons and there, it was assumed that you you were supposed to have several things and you know, you had to have your monsters and, and encounters and stuff like that, but you were also expected to have traps and riddles mm -hmm. and puzzles right? And, and things like that. Yeah. Lots of environmental stuff. And it was like, you know, that, that, that was another way to challenge players. It was another way to deplete resources because remember now you're tracking resources at that time. And if you sit there for an hour trying to figure out this puzzle trap so you can get through it and get to the treasure chambers beyond that's an hour's worth of torches you've just burned. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. I am a big advocate in bringing back environment. In fact, I've, I've gone back and forth on this a lot and auras is tabled right now. So, uh, you know, I'm not plugging my shit, but one of the things that I am still undecided on is in the sequence, sequences or speak for round, right? In the sequence, player, monster, environment, question mark. I am very seriously considering giving the environment a place in the sequence because it should mm -hmm. be that important. But it's yeah, not anymore. But it's not. The environment gets a turn. Right. And I mean, the environment, yes, it adds atmosphere to your game, but it does so much more. I mean, everybody, you know, a lot of people who say that combat is boring, they're like, uh, the principle of combat is simple. You take something sharp and you push it through something soft that screams and bleeds. But with 
traps or you know environmental restrictions or environmental hazards it becomes more of a mental puzzle like you need more strategy you can't just run in and stab that thing because there's a pit trap or you know the lava is flowing or the building is on fire or and you're so just in adds, the jungle and it's difficult terrain that right. in and of itself is is a powerful thing that you don't see anymore. I, we got hung yeah. up on traps, but it, I guess yeah. traps are my nostalgic thing that need to freaking come back. Um, what other sort of nostalgia? I, I, I got one. We always see pop culture nostalgia reappearing at our table, either in game or in table talk. And, and table talk's important. That's half the experience, right? Sure. Um, That's why we get together. Right? If, if not, we would just, you know, we would be nameless, faceless avatars online. Hello, everybody out there in game land. I'm your DM today. Yeah, yeah that's not going to work. That's not going to work. I think it's important that we draw from the things that we love because it is still a game. It is not serious as a heart attack, brother, right? We have to lighten things up. <laughs> Kyle, every time I get you with yeah, it. Yeah, you get me, with it, get me with that every time, man, yeah. Well, you know, Mean Gene, you can't take life totally seriously, brother. You got to go out there, say your prayers, get your 10-foot pole, and get your dungeon delving on. Yeah. Yeah, Why do you think I throw so many corpses down hallways? <laughs> we talked about it on the speak two weeks ago when I was doing a session report for, for the trog hole. Um, were it not for you throwing those corpses, they would have never found that trap. Uh, ironically, now we're back to trap. No, but, but putting those little bits of what we fondly remember from days gone by improve the game in the sense of it's a game. We're playing it for our own personal enjoyment. It's our time. Does it necessarily improve the fact that your ranger now, you know, can fire off an extra arrow per round? No. But it makes it fun. It's the human right. factor. Okay. It's the Plus human. you have to remember that it's called a campaign, not a speed run. So traps <laughs> and environmental hazards. That's the quote of the week. Things like that slow you down. That is the quote of the week. That's a good quote of the week, yeah. My nostalgia is really about the monsters, though. A lot of it is just, oh, yeah, there, there's so many old, great monsters and nobody uses them anymore. You know, uh, shriekers and uh, piercers. And I mean, am I ringing any bells here? Guys? Oh, yeah. you know, shriekers yeah. and piercers were huge. you know, what are what's a, what are I forget what the name of them was that they're the giant mushrooms. And if you walk too close, they suddenly explode and emit spores and now you're oh, making yeah, a saving yeah. throw because you don't want to breathe that stuff because then it gets inside was you that, and starts to grow inside you and ooh it's nasty. Was that the violet fungi? It might have been. I don't I don't remember the name, but I mean this is stuff like that. It's like you don't see that anymore. I mean everybody's got a mimic and uh, uh, you know and what about uh ropers and cave fishers? Ropers and cave fishers. Kyle, you've got you've got to play at our table, man, because you would love it. Because that stuff's all there. That yeah. stuff is all there. I I was printing a cockatrice before we went on the air. I, I was getting together the 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 file to to jaunt over to the printer and get that started. It, it's all there. Um yeah. and I think more people are playing it. But again, it's that, you know, 
middle group that they're just playing their game and they're having a good time with their friends, eating Cheetos, drinking beer, playing Dungeons and Dragons, and still doing what they did for 20 years with blinders on to the world of like TTRPG Twitter or God help them Reddit. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, a lot of them don't even know, a lot of them don't know about us or, or people like us or other or other names like that. The, the social media aspect. Yeah. It's true. I've run, I've run into pe- those people in the wild. They I've, I've met people that have been playing for 20 plus years. Never heard of drive through RPG. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Make you them aware of it and tell them to go by Greenhaven. <laughs> you mentioned eating Cheetos and drinking beer, Ryan. That's another thing that I, I think can be nostalgic is how many times have you gone to a game session or gone to set up a game session and you reach for, you know, snacks that you remember fondly. Well, I, like, mm. I'm, I'm spoiled, Kyle. Uh, Bird, I'm going to embarrass you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I travel on my stomach. I bring uh, snacks I'm to sp- every game day. I'm so spoiled. Bert brings the best snacks. Does he? All the time. Yeah. Last week, he brought homemade pepperoni cheese beer bread and Ooh, and cookies. And, and, and he... And, and thank goodness, I don't think they make the devil cookies anymore. There, there was a, <laughs> there was a cookie that he would buy because he knew that I had zero self control when they were around, and it was like it was like a packaged cookie. I forget. I don't even remember what it was. I really don't. It was uh, peanut butter dreams from Keebler. Okay, I called them the devil cookie. <laughs> Because I would sit there and eat the entire box of them, but he will bring cookies and he will push the box over to me and say, these need to sit in front of Ryan. Um, Bert is the best snack bringer. And we, we play at a time where snacks and meals aren't conducive. It's not like the old days where we were going like 11 to 11, you know, and we right, had meal yeah. breaks. Um, but Bert still holds up the nostalgia of the snack. And, and I yeah. appreciate that. And, uh, Bert, I appreciate you. Look at that now. <laughs> um, Thanks, Ryan. Final you thoughts. You hit on something there. Yeah, you hit on something there. The time, right? Remember back in the day when on it was a Saturday or a Sunday and we had 12 hours? Yeah. Oh, to game? game? Oh, yeah. You know? You Somebody would show like, up with donuts at like 7 in the morning and you're like, we're not leaving until this module's over and it's midnight and right? you're trying to yeah. fight the last boss. Yeah. That yeah. unfortunately, you know, them's the breaks with life, right? Sure, People yeah. have families and wives and children and commitments and jobs the next morning. So that had to adapt. But, you know, I don't see why. And I think this is where the power of the micro convention really comes in, right? people can still have that nostalgia factor and do it for two days in a hotel ballroom and be like, yeah, Mm. this is how we used to run it. And that's why the micro convention is so positive. Mm. Yeah. Never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, the, the news of the day when it comes to nostalgia is that it is a very powerful tool. If you overuse it, it becomes very trite. But when used correctly, you invoke emotion. And ultimately, player or DM, that should be your goal to get the most enjoyment out of your game, at least in my perspective. So nostalgia in your game, at your table, in the OSR, 
it's all a good thing. And just, you know, keep that train running. There's the train. <laughs> it's gonna what's, friggin what's in the me. news? What's in the what's on the news train, man? Oh, yeah. uh, we have um a lighter news week because I was intentionally sidestepping all of the other stuff, you know. I don't need uh, vampires from 20 years ago that cut their dick off to come after me because of a news segment. So I am. That was oddly specific. Uh, anyway, I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know what I'm. I, uh, was it? Purely hypothetical. Purely it was just hypothetical. Completely over. off the cuff. Um, <laughs> in fact, we only have one tabletop RPG story in the news this week. And, you know, it's some good advice, Kyle. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Hit me. Well, uh, I don't know if hit you is the phrase that you want to use. Um, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. Tips. Just the tips. To role play romance. Uh, okay. As a dungeon master, you have to be prepared to role-play just about anything for your Dungeons & Dragons party. The players can adore an NPC that you never intended to have show up again. You can offhandedly mention that there's a bard performing in the town square to be met with questions about what they're singing and what they're dancing. And are they cute? Are they fuckable? Along with all of the scenarios... It doesn't say fuckable. <laughs> I guarantee the article does not say that, Ryan. Uh, I, I may have editorialized, are they fuckable? Uh, it does ask, are they cute? Are Ryan, they cute? Ryan, I can believe Ryan, that. Ryan, Ryan. Along with all the scenarios, the idea of role-playing romance, relationship, and sexual encounters can seem very daunting, but no doubt you can find it necessary. And in fact, a release, interesting choice of words, for your party. Then they go through a list. Uh, I'm not. I'm not running down the list, right? I'm just gonna go through and highlight some things. Hey, everything starts with session zero, Kyle. <laughs> everything starts with session zero. Okay. Well, I don't know, man. Because look, here, here's the thing. If you're listening to this, you need to listen to the to our first segment on this show, man. You need traps, okay? And here's why. Because, look, Nancy, I ain't got time for this romance shit. I'm trying to get to the treasure, and I got to get through a pendulum blade room. Hey, I'm, I'm not terribly hip with the Zoomer lingo, but isn't Pog trap something? Anyway. <laughs> Thirst trap, maybe. I don't know. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, seriously, this stuff rarely came up, and if it did, it was always just, you know... I want to. I want to get the bar wench to come up to my room later. And you fade to black. I mean, it was just we just didn't do this stuff. We just didn't do it. I don't know what why people are so focused on it now. Practice makes um, perfect. How would I mean, an, go ahead, Bert? Sorry. Um, no, no. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. How would a certain NPC flirt with a certain character? How would an NPC matter. react to being courted? Even if you feel a little silly asking those questions or coming up with those answers, that's part of your job as the DM, whether it's about love or not. 
Do you run your combat scenarios in your head? Of course you do. So you should be running your blowjob scenarios in your head, too. It's all the same thing. No, I'm sorry, man. I I just don't. I mean, look, I'm all for if if people want to get heavy into role playing and, you know, even if they want to talk in character voice and stuff, that's fine. You do. I mean, seriously, you, you do you here. Here's the problem with that, though. It's like, don't bring a table full of other people into your bizarre little fantasy world. (laughs) Why not? Because you can follow the next point, which is to watch some good romantic media. If you're having porn, (laughs) romantic (laughs) media, if you're having a hard time with your players, when you're having (laughs) having a hard time, I did not editorialize that. I may have editorialized (laughs) the vocalization of that. Um, If you're having a hard time with your players when they're trying to have a romantic, (laughs) Ryan, Kyle's encouraging me. (laughs) I mean, I've had campaigns with you know romantic themes. I mean, it's a classic story. You know, somebody wants to save their spouse, or you know, they're trying to break a curse, or they're trying to win the favor uh, for an arranged marriage. Like there are romantic themes that come up in fantasy games, and that's fine. Yeah, you but can, you didn't have a Game of Thrones porn scene thrown in the middle <laughs> yeah. of it, right? No, I mean the the uh, the comfort, like you said, when it comes to the you know the heavy stuff, it was always kind of a fade to black and a hand wave, right. and then yeah. you pick up the next morning. I the, mean, I guess it depends on what people are comfortable with, but I'm not that explicit when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like once you get to past the romance stuff and into the the rest of it, I'm just like okay. So we'll pick it up next morning and continue from there. I love that you guys both said fade to black because that is, I think, the best way to handle it uh, in in the end. But it's ironic because as we conclude our jaunt through this little uh, piece, um, the most important thing to remember is to be explicit and forthright with the details of your romantic encounters. Old school players have employed a tactic for years called the good old fade to black, but we can't endorse that if you truly want to improvise a romantic and sexual experience. Don't be afraid to describe parts of the body that would make you blush. Don't just fade to black, fade to pink. What does that mean? I mean, uh, what the, I, I'm pretty. I I'm pretty with it when it comes to innuendo and lingo. What are we? I mean, I know what I think fade to pink is, but I don't think that that's what they mean. <laughs> I mean, I, like I said, I mean, I I don't know what uh, what kind of games these people are running. I mean, if that's they're something not running that games, everybody, Bert, they're not playing. They're having power fantasies and jerk off sessions. Hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, uh, if that's if that's the game you want to be in, more power to you. If that's the group that you've got, great. Uh, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not going to throw my uh, two cents in there. I'm not going to play that game. No, you're going to throw something else in there. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Nope. Not my not my kind of game session. Sorry, guys, but uh, you I mean, know. It- I mean, I mentioned this before, and it literally goes back to my point. It's like if if you want to have these sorts of fantasies, 
why are you, you know, okay. So, so you get this article telling you to do this stuff, right? But let's say you've had your session zero and everybody's filled out their little checklist and you're, you've got a table of six people and three of them don't want any sexual stuff in the game. Then well, what I'm, do you do? I'm right? sorry that you're just so closed minded and bigoted that you can't experience the love between a tiefling and a genasi. I mean, it's just, I mean, don't bring other people into this. I mean, you, you got to have, there needs to be a level of respect for other people and, 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 you know, what they're comfortable with. It's not all about me, me, me. No, you're right. But the respect for them, it's a one way fucking street, Kyle. You will respect what they believe, but they're, they have an obligation to not respect what you want because you're wrong and they're right. Oh. Mm. Well, mm-hmm. uh, see you, Nancy. See yeah. you, Susan. Bye. I, I absolutely agree. Next one's one for Bert. Okay. And it, it, it's, it's legitimately straight up one for Bert, not like, Wanted to give Bert a headache or make his head no, explode? No, or... no. There is a surprise JRPG hit of the year, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know we are early in the year, so that that's a little clickbaity with the headline. Sure, but it's a good, solid game that has already passed the player count of Persona Three and oh, Infinite Wealth combined. Huh. Come All right. The JRPG in question is Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. Sounds super Japanese, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that that's a very Japanese name. Uh, What's the name of it? What's Grand name? Blue Fantasy, which is the series, right? Uh, and it's the Relink entry in the Grand Blue oh, Fantasy. Okay. For a minute there, I thought it was like a '70s soul funk band. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Grand Blue Fantasy is, you know. It doesn't have the history of some of the other, like, strong entries in the JRPG. Like but Dragon it, Quest or Final Fantasy. Or, or yeah. even, you know, Persona or the Yakuza series. But it's mm-hmm. it's it's definitely doing very well. Um, it's the biggest Steam debut in Atlas's catalog. And you know Atlas brings over all sorts of weird JRPG stuff. <laughs> Uh, including Love Atlas stuff. Yeah. So I, I I knew when I read this, I said, This is for Bert. It's it's just a mammoth success coming out of Japan. It's got great anime built into the game. And you know, I've faded from the anime world, but it's pretty stuff, right? I'm looking mm-hmm. at it. And you have a ridiculous roster. Ooh. Um it's one of those high roster games. Yes. Those are always great where you can recruit like dozens of characters. Here's the other interesting thing. Since it's a blended, what we would call modern JRPG, not a mm-hmm. menu based grind. Right. Right. It also supports up to four player simultaneous party co-op. Really? Which, which has not been present in a lot of RPGs, but I remember fondly, haha, <laughs> nostalgia, the ones that had it like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI. And it was spectacular to think that you and your buddy can sit on the couch, look at the screen, and collectively drive your party. 
So, not going to lie, I'm going to take a look at this one. Grand Blue yeah. Fantasy, it, it debuted February 1st, so it's tiny, 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 but it's already peaked over 85,000 simultaneous players. So, that's sort of the metric that they're using now for Steam. It's not what you sold. It's how many, like, what is your peak players at one point? And then 85 grand is nothing to sniff at for this category because it is a little niche now uh, as opposed to maybe the mid-90s. But is it a true JRPG or is it an MMO? No, it is a true JRPG. That's very rare that you see multiplayer in a real JRPG. I can count on one hand the titles I remember that had that. And it was always amazing. Yeah. No, I um, here. I'm going to I'm going to put up some stuff for you to peek at. OK. In fact, when I show you the cover art, it's going to scream old school JRPG to you. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of some nostalgic style. Like this is definitely got that anime retro JRPG feel to it. This is your entire roster of all of the playable characters now that you're looking at. And it ain't Chrono Cross, but it's it's not a, a small roster by any stretch of the imagination. But you got there like 20 characters. I was going to say about 20 impressive. characters, right? Maybe maybe slightly less. High teens. I'm just looking at it real quick. Um I'm gonna take a. I'm gonna take a peek. Uh, I'll have the time on my hands in the near future. <laughs> so um, it, it's it's it looks beautiful. Um, I just it screams early '90s JRPG to me, only with modern programming, graphics, and gameplay. So we'll see. We'll see. That is Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. Cool. I know Kyle's not at all out. interested in in a JRPG. I've never been into JRPGs. No. Sorry, but yeah. hey, you know it's all right. Nope, no, that's fine, man. You guys can love it. It's five hundred hours of your life that you have that we won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll just waste it in some other fashion, right? Well, possibly. Uh, last but not least. Uh, something we've talked about before when the early details came out, but now we're getting a, a, a deeper look into the Diablo tabletop entries. And there is no hiding my love specifically of the Diablo two era world of sanctuary, but there is the Diablo role-playing game and the Diablo board game that are both under development right now. And more details have come out for both of those. And I'm excited because Diablo was dark. It was gritty. It was all of the things that weren't happening in the late 90s and early aughts that were missing from gaming at that point in time. And, man... Looks good. Looks good. Glass Cannon is the publisher of the of the properties, but they are working hand-in-hand hand with what is being said are the developers. Now, what that means, we don't know. We don't know what developers or what era of Diablo this is focusing on. We do know that 
the modern developers have taken a couple of liberties as far as edits and they I don't know it's stupid shit right they removed the dwarf there was a midget bartender in one of the cutscenes in Diablo in Diablo 2 and when mm-hmm. Resurrected came out you know can't have midgets anymore they 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 they, they retconned it um I, I hope they don't fuck this up A Diablo role-playing game. Trying to think what that world would be like. I mean, it seems like, you know, huge opportunities for, like, TPK. Oh, yeah. Like uh, They say that uh, they are designing the system with a satisfying and fast-paced combat system that can support multitudes of opponents at the same time. Right. Um, it's going to be a unique rule set but it is being based on a framework, although they have not identified the framework. Previously, they did say they were looking at 5e as inspiration, but now they've removed that language. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can't do that shit with 5e. No, I mean, the. Not what, really. I, mean, uh, it, uh, I mean, this reminds me, like, remembering the multitudes of enemies that you would face in Diablo, it almost feels like like a character funnel type system. Oh, they're not going they're not going to be running a funnel, but they are apparently trying to capture the spirit of that darkness, right? Um the description indicates that characters playing in the tabletop game will face an inner struggle needing to strike a balance between light and darkness and face being pulled in between sin and integrity. So I think there's probably going to be a karma system of some sort, hmm. um, but th- that's that's, interesting. that's good. That that that's good. Next twelve months are dedicated to play testing. We'll see what comes out. Uh, the board game and the RPG are uh, anticipated to launch about the same time, and we have no further details beyond that. But I'm excited. My lord is stirring. <laughs> You were always a bigger Diablo fan than me. I was. I was. I I, I like it. But that's the news, right? Hmm. 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 Pretty now, light fare on the news this week. Yeah, I I, I hmm. like I said, I, I kept it light. We have a little bit of time to talk about business stupidity in our hobby. But before I go there, I do want to take a moment and Thank everybody that has stepped up and became a Checkmark Hero. This week, we've got the trifecta. Of course, we have the granddaddy Checkmark Hero, Cinnamander. Check Sin out on the Twitter machine at C-Y-N-N-A-M-A-N-D-E-R. Hey, Sin just released his new book, The Navarro Knight. It is a spectacular system that gives you a really interesting blending of post-apocalyptic and horror and Lovecraftian. Cinnamander has had Checkmark Hero status for a long time, and we thank him for that. We also welcome to the fold the ultra-American TTRPGer, that's ultra-TTRPGer on Twitter, as well as our good friend, Disciple of the Logris on Twitter. Uh, Logris has been our good friend and friend of the show for a long time. You can follow him at K underscore B-U-R-K-H-A-R-D-T, K underscore Burkhart. 
uh, all three of those guys stepped up, went to nerdcognito.com, clicked on the Be a Checkmark Hero link at the top of the page, ponied up to help us support the show and support the blue checkmark, and therefore they get to hear this. Checkmark Hero. Thank you, guys. Hey, what a, what a good trifecta, huh? Yeah. I had no idea Disciple was stepping up. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we have. Uh, I'm glad to see it. Three it this week. Surprise. We, we appreciate that. It really does make a difference. And supporting the yeah. show guarantees that the show sticks around, right? So yeah. uh, even when it's little things like two bucks, eight bucks, 16 bucks for the Checkmark Hero, all of those, by the way, are valid levels that you can sponsor and get a Checkmark Hero nod. Um, it, it makes a big difference, especially quarterly when those bills come around, man. <laughs> um, we going to make money this year, guys? No. <laughs> we'll probably break even again, but we're, we're happy to break even, and that, that's the thing. Uh, you know who doesn't like to make money? I, I want to make money. Kyle, am I crazy? I, no, I would no like, I don't think you're crazy. I would like for the three of us to be able to get together at least once a year and have a very nice dinner. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, they could bring us surf and turf with beautiful buxom topless servers. (laughs) Ryan. Hey, would you like a little cream for your coffee, Mr. David? (laughs) Uh, Uh. (laughs) I want to make money, right? I'm not ashamed of saying that. I know people seem to be ashamed of saying that now. Um, in the business world, we're seeing people ashamed of saying that. I want to be able to support my son. I want to be able to have nice things that make my life easier and happier. I'm not saying that I'm going to buy my happiness, but money helps, right? Yeah. When I run business ventures, the ultimate goal should be to make money. I mean, you would think so. That's the logical. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Not for everybody, no. In our hobby, we are seeing a swath of developers, designers, and distributors that no longer seem to care about maximizing their income. And it's not like there's a lot of money to be tossed around in our hobby. Right. We're seeing people intentionally short their upside to make a statement. Kyle, you told you talked a little bit about the summary uh, and gave an example at the top of the show. Yeah. Why are these statements now superseding, you know, the ability to stay in freaking business? But you got me. You're asking the wrong guy. I have no idea because it it makes no sort of sense, right? It's, I mean, if you're if you're going to do something and you're going to charge somebody for it, then I mean, you you should optimize profit. Right, right, Bert. I have I have a theory. Okay, if you guys want to hear it? Always. Okay, jump with me in my wayback machine. All right, here we go, Mister Peabody. Okay. So in the 80s and 90s, I just had, dated myself really badly, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the Rocky and Bullwinkle reference. Yeah, 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 yeah you dated yourself to the point that like very few people are going to get that. I did uh, Google Mr. Peabody and Sherman. If you are yeah. a youngin, 
and and you'll get yeah. the reference. Sorry, Bert, go ahead. No problem. So in the eighties and nineties, you had this huge, um, like media storm uh, with the evil corporation. They were destroying the earth. They were supporting Nazis, or you know. And so I think that this built as sort of like a counter to that. They don't want to be seen as that, you know, evil corporation that's destroying the earth to get your dollar. But I think that it's maybe swung too far. It's the extreme now. So now you've got companies with like social justice causes and things like that. Which is fine. If you believe that and you support that, that's fine. But it shouldn't be secondary to the financial responsibilities that you have, A, personally, because a lot of us are one or two man shows, right? When it comes to, yeah. to businesses in, in our hobby. Or if you are a larger entity, you're not doing a service to your employees, to your shareholders. Like there are companies that are doing things that are publicly traded companies. Hasbro. That if shareholders wanted to take them to task, they could be found negligent to those shareholders. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing that you have to keep in mind is, you know, it's great to have a cause and it's great to have something that you believe in and it's great to have a morality. But at the end of the day, if your company is going to do that, you have to make enough money to support that cause that you're fighting for. Yeah, I I have a theory that just popped in my head. I don't know if I should say it. Well, you think about it, and I'll ask, is it they have a line where we're, you know, we can self-sustain at this point? And as long as we make that point, who cares? Is it apathy or lack of ambition? Is it generational? We're greedy Gen Xers, right? We don't want communal living and, you know, pneumatic powered buses we want the fucking big mac in the styrofoam container in our gas guzzler yeah 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 Yeah. i I want you i want you to stop putting bike lanes on all the damn streets around (laughs) here when there's already a traffic problem that's what i want dude you have it easy you should see what my (laughs) metro looks like now yeah, yeah. Put a put a bike lane that runs right in front of the homeless camps on Admiral Boulevard. That's smart. <laughs> That's a nice bike, senor. Brian. <laughs> uh, what? You Kyle. had to go there. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. Uh, man, yeah, you guys. Yeah, pull it back to the money then, right? Yeah, I mean, I still want my Big Mac, but I don't care if it comes in a cardboard box. <laughs> I mean... You know what I miss? Because <laughs> we're, we're styrofoam. like... Styrofoam. I miss styrofoam. And I specifically miss the McDLT. <laughs> oh, my God. That I, had so much packaging. It was ridiculous. But yeah. it, it was great. It was a legitimate good idea that yeah. failed because it was too expensive to package. That's why right. the McDLT failed. Because they did yeah. bring it back without the packaging and it failed miserably because it, it it suffered the same fate as any other fast food burger but you had your hot hot and you had your cold cold so your colds were still crisp yeah. when you made the two yeah 
I uh, that was that happened in my late teens. I actually worked for McDonald's at that time as a part-time job. I remember that. Did you hate making McDLTs? Because <laughs> they we probably took a them. long we time. Hate, yeah, we hated it. We hated it. They were the they were the biggest pain in the ass to do. But you're right. From a consumer standpoint, from the customer experience, it was a great product. It really was. But McDonald's ultimately killed it because of the yeah, packaging right. and the labor. Right. Because they were being sensitive to their bottom line. Well, I mean, uh, look at look at what they're doing now with the McFlurry spoon for plastic waste. They eliminated the McFlurry spoon. Did they really? Wasn't it the thing that 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 mixed the McFlurry? I'm not right. It used to be a plastic spoon with like a like a widget in the top that plugged into the McFlurry machine, and it would stir the McFlurry and then get served to you. Well. It was creating a lot of plastic waste, I guess, because they've eliminated the McFlurry spoon to reduce plastic waste. So what do you eat your McFlurry with? Don't say a stick. Um, I'm not sure what the current product is. I just know they phased out the spoon. It's finger finger food now, man. (laughs) I'm sure you can ask for a spoon, and then you're going to get the spoon that comes with their breakfast stuff, which is prepackaged in plastic. Plastic, yeah. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't understand it. Someone needs to write in at nerdcognitopodcast at gmail.com and tell me what the motivation is. Because I I really, I tried to put myself in their shoes, even with their political bent and their caterwauling about issues. I can't see that superseding making a good dollar. Okay, here's the idea that popped in my head. Uh, let me preface this by saying it probably has something to do with this idea about social credit. But here's another theory. What if they just can't? What if they don't have the intellectual ability? They're not smart enough to figure out how to optimize profits so they don't bother with it. Okay, I'm going to use Kickstarter as the example because they do this all the time. It was your example, too. We have right. friends who have appeared on this show that have fallen victim to it. You've got yeah. a million-plus-dollar Kickstarter. Right. I am the people making the decisions at Kickstarter. I am okay. the people that were smart enough to fund and build and continue this platform into prosperity. How the fuck am i not smart enough to maximize this profit i i i i want to i want you to be right because i want an answer but the other things don't align with that i mean not to play devil's advocate but from the other side of things there has to be a limit right i mean Mm -hmm. if if the nazi party comes to you and wants to fund your product do you take their money knowing what you know about them well that's an extreme straw man bert i'm gonna i'm gonna call bullshit on that one there aren't nazis making games despite what people will say (laughs) right Right, no i was gonna say i I was mentioning we we were talking about mcdonald's a minute ago i'm talking about a business in general if you know if oh you mean like ibm or volkswagen They don't seem to have any problem getting press. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I hear you, right? If someone came to me 
and presented me with a book for review. You know, this happens every week. We get three or four pieces for review. Sure. If someone came to me and presented me with a book for review, but they were openly gay Palestine murder Jews, I'm not going to give them air. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. The point I was just trying to make was there has to be a limit somewhere. I'm saying that the limit right now, right now, the bar is set too low, but there has to be a bar. Oh, there, there will Some, be a bar. Someone's money you're not going to take. Right. Unless you're a politician seeking re-election. <laughs> I, uh, I, so I guess this ends with a big question mark. It, it really does. We'll see what happens. Maybe um, the pendulum, as you indicated, Bert, will swing back somewhere in the middle. I like it in the middle. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, <laughs> I've heard that. I, I do. <laughs> Oh, guys. Oh, I love to watch them wriggle when I'm creaming on their middle. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. <Ryan. laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> let's let's tell people to do things. <laughs> Not uh, those things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, single ladies call me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's fade to black and 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 do the stuff. Uh, first and foremost, you're listening to us on a podcast provider. Please subscribe. And this week, we want you uh, to actually go out and do something, right? We want you to spread the word. We know that there are a lot, and I mean a lot, of new listeners because a lot of new folks tuned in to the Dungeon Drama episode to hear what was going on in the world. Please spread the word to your friends, your family, and everyone you know in the hobby to give us a listen. Give us a shot. That is the single most valuable thing that you can do. You can also go to YouTube so that you can see Kyle and I act even more debaucherous on Saturdays on the Saturday Speakeasy. <laughs> uh, give us a subscription on YouTube. Uh, I want you to go to Drive Through RPG and pick up a copy of Greenhaven. But generally speaking, you know what the things are that we want, and we don't want to harp at you about them. We just thank you for your support. It is with those actions that the Nerd Cognito Nation continues to grow and grow and grow. And that's what's most important. My name is Ryan David. Oh, I was joined by Kyle and Bert. And see, we took this light episode, and now we ended with a question mark. Um, Maybe you'll have the answer for us next week, but you'll have to wait until then because that is when we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. Remember, when it comes to nostalgia, some things are classic and some things are just old.